Hello, friends. You are listening to Onward with William McCarthy live from New York City. I am downtown Manhattan, baby. I'm in Chinatown, and I wanted to take a moment today to say hello and chase those October blues away. We are cruising. We are rolling into fall. Here in New York, it's muggy. It's a little funky. It's going to be a little bit loud today. I'm right on Ludlow. I am in the throes of the downtown cacophony of schools getting out, of people walking the streets, of dump trucks, fire trucks, ambulances, door slamming pigeons. Let's talk about Chinatown. Now, in many, many American cities, there are Chinatowns. And I've got to say, I've, always, I've long been fascinated. This neighborhood butts up against Soho, and it butts up against the uh, Lower East Side. And this is like a historic area for musicians, right? And artists. Um, there are murals of Chinese heroes. There's murals of Jean-Michel Basquiat. There's heroes of, of, of rock and roll people. And in the 80s, the downtown scene was the heart of the creative scene. It changed and it shifted. When I came to New York in early, early 2000s, it really moved to Brooklyn. But there are still like echoes of, uh, of, a, of a bygone era. And, and I'm happy to tell you that you can still feel it here. I woke up this morning. I like to take walks in the morning. Super, it's super beautiful to see like old Chinese people doing Tai Chi in the mornings. How cool is that? And as like mopeds whip by, delivery boys, you see these people out um, along the East River and they are in the, doing these languid, slow motions. And it's really, it, it, it's got like a, a, an, a taste, like a tinge to it that's very, very different. Yesterday I heard chanting and I walked over and it was a Buddhist, it was like a, like a Buddhist monastery, I guess. And there were, I smelled incense and there was people in there chanting. It was really, it, it, it inspires me. I saw uh, monks walking around amongst the neon lights. Um, a, a light sprinkling of rain and you look around and there's like multiple different worlds going on there's basically like fancy people and fancy restaurants there's kind of a money vibe of of it being like a very lucrative real estate zone and then there's also the workers of the world the gears that turn this city that the delivery boys um the people that own corner shops. There are uh, Hasidic Jews. There's Dominicans. There's Puerto Ricans. There's black people. There's Chinese people. There's Malaysian people. And the alleyways of this place are the real deal. I would put these alleyways up against any alleyway in the world. You're smelling poultry. You're smelling fish. And I sat down and had a some Chinese food yesterday in a very uh, a very tight little street 
Um, and actually, many years ago, when I was getting into the history of New York, I was obviously inspired by uh, Gangs of New York, and I saw what I believed in my research to be the five points, right? Remember uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and, and the Gangs of New York? All five points. I, th I believe that I found them, and I was eating on that street last night, and New York, the topography of New York is, it's been built up over hundreds of years, so it's not exactly level. So I was sitting at this table and my like ice water was sliding across the table. And I was just thinking, look at this haphazard, chaotic, beautiful masterpiece that is Manhattan. I've long been put off by Manhattan, I think just because it takes so much to live in Manhattan. Artists sort of figured out at some point, hey, this isn't for us. It's expensive. It's competitive. We need to take things down a click. We need space to rehearse, to write. I am sitting in a room right now that's approximately, I'd say, 12 feet, a 12-foot square. And that is life here. I think it costs the same amount in Manhattan to be a roommate as it does to have your your own your very own apartment in Brooklyn so <laughs> I'm sitting in this room that's probably the size of a room that I had when I was a kid going to grade school but there's something very refreshing about this place in that if you think of like visual data you take a shower you brush your teeth you walk outside the door and boom you're in this big painting and there's homeless people, there's uh, old guys playing dominoes. And I have to say, it really, this experience really shows me that when we think we have arrived at a decision about a place, there's always a reinvention that can happen. And I'm here. And I'm so far downtown that when I walk, I am really close to the Trade Center, basically, completely like parallel with it and I can see that one world trades poking up and it makes me think about all the all the fire trucks and the firemen that were in this district that that went up those buildings uh, 20 years ago so there's a lot to be said I mean what a special place to be able to disappear into a completely different culture I'm fascinated by Chinese people this is a culture that like like hand on heart i don't know anything about i don't know that much about china and and i i come from the west coast and we have uh, a very large chinatown in san francisco a lot of the chinese people arrived there to work on railroads and i just remember growing up and studying in school um, about basically the railroads and when they had to build uh, bridges they would basically dangle these folks down the sides of mountains in baskets and they would be like placing dynamite inside the uh, the cliff wall to blow it out to make tunnels so a, a very gritty existence I think and it makes me think of immigration and this country I remember at one point in the early 2000s, maybe the mid 2000s, there, there's a lot of like, 
I guess you would say they were they're kind of like tour buses. I guess they're they're transportation buses, and then they go through the tri-state area here. They go up to Massachusetts, they go to Jersey, they go to uh, Pennsylvania, and it was in the news that one of these Chinatown buses um, got a flat tire, and if you can imagine all these passengers traveling to you know out of state, the driver just took off and ran and it was on the news because the guy didn't even have a driver's license and it it really shows like this other this other experience that people are having in this city um i've i've heard about chinatown that um with their american status or their american ids like when somebody dies often they'll just sell the id to another chinese person right and the, the insularity that happens in these little these little micro worlds within new york are are, are, are really intriguing yeah you, ha you have to think that people have come here legally illegally uh, i remember also something that happened in new york once there was like a shipping container coming in on a boat and there was human beings in it and you have to think about the first world and the third world and, and wanting to flee your circumstances so badly that you're willing to be human cargo, being a stowaway to get to this new land. But I think as with all districts and um, populations in New York City, if you could just get here, you could get to your area where your people are at and you can network and you can start a life. And you think about it for a guy like me. Okay, I'm in my 40s, play music, I make art for a living. I kind of know where I need to go when I arrive to a city, right? If I'm trying to establish myself. Well, the same goes for, for immigrants, right? Um, in New York City, there's, I'm sorry, in Brooklyn, there's a Chinatown. And it is on the cusp, it borders Sunset Park. And Sunset Park is where um, Latino people live um, and, and moreover, Mexican people live. So the Mexican people from, from Sunset Park, Brooklyn, are largely from Puebla. And I don't know if people really realize that if you go around America, in each city, there is a district and a community, and usually they have a sister city in Mexico. Like where I'm from, in Northern California, a lot of people were from Juanajuato in Mexico, right? If you go to Chicago, like all the Mexican people there typically come from a region in Mexico, a sister city. And um, here in New York City, it's largely Puebla. So I have a lot of friends that are, are Mexican in New York and they're almost like they're usually from Puebla, their family's from Puebla. And I just have to think if you trace it all the way back, you can imagine some guy saying, okay, I'm going to go to where the snow is. I don't know. I'll, I'll find work there. They come, they work in kitchens, the delivery boys, construction, whatever. And they're sending money back home. And then another relative comes and another relative comes and someone down the street comes. And then they've got like a small street where they all live on then it's a couple different blocks where they've all moved to and then it starts becoming like a real community and i really i like to think back to when that first guy came because if you're from pueblo mexico why are you going to come to 
Brooklyn, New York, right? But it happens that way. So those are the kind of thoughts that I've been having walking around. And it's, it's, I, I, I often, I kind of marvel at how things shift in a city where um, in the 1970s, in the 80s, the, uh, as we know, Studio 54, there was like a lot of activity in Midtown and Uptown um, where the artists started going downtown to where it was cheap. And I actually have a friend named Ben Altman and Ben Altman grew up in Soho, believe it or not, and it was dangerous. And now Soho is like, you know, the, the, the top designers and so on and very famous people. You know, I remember, I think, didn't Heath Ledger die in Soho? Like uh, Lenny Kravitz has an apartment there and like all these kind of stars lived there. But at one time, like things shifted in the city and moved around. And it's sort of like, it's almost like the blood flow of a city, like how things kind of move around at one point. Manhattan was untouchable, like through my whole journey in New York City, it was just too expensive. And then COVID hit, a lot of people left, and Manhattan somehow has become semi-affordable again. So we, I also remember like coming up with Pela and doing music, like there were definitely Brooklyn bands, like for example, uh, us, um, TV on the radio, the national, there's, these are like, you know, Brooklyn bands, Animal Collective, but they were Manhattan bands too. I don't think people really realize that, like Interpol, that they were a Manhattan band. The Strokes were a Manhattan band. And there was, there were differences. I felt like the, the Manhattan bands were a little more sophisticated. They typically had like their aesthetic together a little bit better. And the, and the Brooklyn bands were a little bit more shaggy and uh, DIY and a little more indie. So <laughs> there's a lot to be said here. Um, I can't even imagine the gallery scene, um, the painting. Now, once upon a time, um, going way back, before Augustine's, my, my last job that I had was actually, I drove a truck and I was working for an art handling company, Eric and I, and we would deliver fine art and Basically, these big trucks, I think the truck that I was driving was 30 feet. It was a 30-foot truck, very big, very intimidating to drive around a city like this. You know, you're taking mirrors out, people are honking. And it is almost like an Olympic sport, watching people double park and put on their hazard lights and run up and do a delivery. And I remember the, our, my boss told me, listen, it's so difficult for us to get permits to park in the city just take the parking tickets <laughs> so you would le you would leave your truck out in front of a place with the you know hazard lights on or, and uh you would get so many tickets and that it was actually more affordable for the company to just pay the tickets than it would be to secure some kind of permit um i'm i marvel at delivery boys here um, people on bicycles they always have like blinking lights you know battery operated lights and they're taking their lives in their own hands. I mean, I've ridden my motorcycle through here, so I can't say that I haven't done it. But when I see people actually pedaling a bicycle, it blows my mind. I don't know about, whoops, excuse me, drop my mic. I don't know about the city that you live in, but here, the game changed, man. When I first moved here, these poor guys, these poor bastards would be out pedaling their bicycle in, in January. And they'd be going up a hill and you'd be like, oh man, 
I feel so bad for them, but it's all electric bikes now. Like that makes me happy actually. These guys um, have figured out a way to not um, break their kneecaps and their hips and their backs going up, pedaling up hills. Uh, it's all electric. So these guys like are zipping by and that law is really kind of, it's, it's a gray area because I saw a guy yesterday um, just riding around in some like electric lowrider bicycle and he was wearing a strange uh, helmet and blaring like Puerto Rican music and he just rolled up and uh, so it's like a bike lane thing and it's kind of not and sometimes you're at traffic like sitting there on your motorcycle that's registered and stuff and some guy whips by you going faster than you on a, like an electric bicycle probably like illegal without papers and these guys it's just like they're daredevils it's fascinating so also the game has changed i noticed that yellow cabs are in decline i don't know if people realize this but when you are a cab driver in new york city what you're working towards is getting a medallion and that medallion basically certifies that that yellow cab that you have um, is registered and so on and then uber happened so uber happened and then you know these people much like airbnb airbnb people using their own homes um, as basically a, a very loose hotel people use their own cars for uber which i think is actually really cool but the thing with the medallions is that there were only so many allocated every year and you, you know there was a waiting list and it was very expensive and those cabs were, were really really pricey like they would turn on the meter you'd sit in traffic so you're going to jfk taking the you know taking a flight somewhere if it was traffic you just ate it <laughs> the meter's going and you're just sitting there like ow oh, my life sucks uh this is a 140 dollars cab ride and the guy would look at you and say sorry man so technology has changed everything right you get in an uber the guy's like a punjabi dude he's he's got an earpiece in and he's basically all day long plugged into his his family back home in india so you're driving and just listen to this guy talk to his family and it, I have to say, like, much like in music, if you if you really want to like look at the growth and, and change in music, watch. There's always a there's a thread of technology. For example, 1950s, you got doo wop and so on, and then you go into like Jimi Hendrix and what made him sound different? The wah pedal, the wah wah pedal, right? That pedal really changed music because it was available at the time and it was new same if you listen to duran duran and keyboards in the 80s those keyboards were not there that was a cutting edge of the time uh technology that changed the art form of music right so technology plays such an interesting like part of our development and i notice you know being in manhattan with electric bikes ubers um people ordering on apps I went to pay for coffee. It said no cash. There was just literally a coffee shop that didn't accept cash. They, it's all card. It's all app. So I saw a coffee shop that only you can only order from an app. Think about that. That is a huge, huge change. So what else? Chinatown, Lower East Side, 
Lower East Side is where we played a lot of our shows coming up. And then there's Little Italy. And I think about back in the day, I mean, can you imagine, you know, Tony and Vinny and Sal hanging out and like looking across the street at Chinatown, like the conversations that they must have had, um, that those cultures probably didn't see eye to eye real well, right? So that is the glory of this place. Strangely, one, something that gives me a lot of joy is looking at the school children when they get out of school. Um, I don't know, is there anything cuter than like Chinese kids? These little, these little guys, their parents are walking them, a grandmother, everyone's wearing masks, and these little kids, they, when, they, when they go on like a field trip or they, they, they all have like a rope and all these little children hold onto the rope and there's like 15 kids walking behind you know, the teacher and it's just adorable, man. It gives me a sense of pride, this diversity. And, you know, I, I did a little movie for my Patreon. Um, I like to make little travel movies and I didn't even use half the footage that I shot. Um, today I went down to the river and it was probably 10 in the morning and I saw Chinese couples um, with loud music playing, basically ballroom dancing in the morning. So <laughs> there's that. And then the longboard goes by and you know, some graphic designer's heading uptown to his job and you turn around and there's a homeless guy with his pants down. And <laughs> so um, having been away from the city for, uh, for six months, coming back to it, I'm just engulfed um, in this place. And I will tell you, you know, the, the, street, the street food, um, granted, I think it rocked my stomach a couple nights ago, which was probably just the hot sauce. Always watch out for those sauces, man. But I, I had like dumplings, like dim sum, um, peanut sauce noodle, uh, sesame bun, just wonderful street food. And I think the other day I spent $11 and I couldn't even eat it all. And I'm definitely like a, like a taco truck street food type of dude. So like I'm in my glory right now. Through the pandemic and the lockdown, I discovered the, the, the absolute majesty of uh, wonton soup. So filling, so yummy. It's just broth, a couple like little dumplings floating in it. Phenomenal. So here I am looking at the Trade Center, looking out at the housing projects, hearing a cacophony of children and police cars. I'm looking at old people doing tai chi in the morning and it is just all the creativity is just swirling in me i just wanted to give you guys a little heads up and blow on the bugle uh, and and champion this kind of um intersect right of all these cultures and what they yield and i'm also trying to be very mindful of the stories that are behind these um these souls that i see the jewish guy with the with the uh, yarmulke selling suits across the street the italian guy um another thing that's kind of funny in new york city is there's not really that many italians that work at uh pizza places or anymore it's it's pretty much like mexican guys in the kitchen and i think about their journey um, i think about the journey of the tall black dude with stiletto pumps um going to his fashion job i think about where if that dude's from like missouri or illinois or how did he get here how did he how, like what what's his dream and 
is he accomplishing his dream? Me sitting here in the, in the, the bowels of the city, what's my dream? What brought me here? And uh, I just wanted to give you a little Polaroid of this experience. Um, kind of crazy that 20 years ago in one month, um, two airplanes flew right over this neighborhood and crashed right into a into two large skyscrapers and knocked them down and changed the world forever. So there's a feeling of this place that there are footprints of a civilization. Um, feels very current but very archaic at the same time and it is just a real honor and joy to be here. It is a reimagined New York for me and I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait to play my guitar. I just wanted to bring you into my world a little bit and talk about this place. Um, it, you can hear people through the walls. It's constantly, it's just a throbbing type of place. And maybe in my life before, I wasn't so uh, thrilled with the noise because I was focusing on my work. But now I realize this is my work, is to be part of that, the, that pulse. So I just wanted to bring you into where I'm at and uh, I'm going to keep these observations coming. Um, what an honor. What a joy. I'm sending love to you guys. I'm giving you a hug. And October is looking pretty nice. All right. We still got some months on the clock here for 2021 is over. All right. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy live from Manhattan.